Hello, everyone. This podcast is brought to you by no one because we just started. Um, <laughs> amazing. I literally have looked forward to the day where I'm like, it's brought to you by like insert company or insert organization. I'm looking right, forward to that right. day. Um, but hello, everyone, uh, whoever is listening to this right now. My name is Matthew Gottlieb. I'm your host today. I am joined today by Hector Garcia de Leon, and we also have uh, Tanya Nasrallahi. I'm going to brag about them real quick because um they are deserving of a quick flex so i'm going to start with hector uh so hector is a senior graduating this spring from the university of central florida with a bachelor's degree in journalism he is a digital and he was a digital intern for the community paper a student trainee for npr next generation radio uh, has been working with Student Success Agency, which I might have to add super quickly, that we all work for the same company. That's how we yeah, know yeah. each other, um, which is super exciting. Um, so that's, you know, one of the reasons why we're starting this podcast. Um, and yeah, he's been working there since August of 2018. He is currently interning as a campus manager for Fresh uh, Fresh Prince, if I was reading that right. I, I have glasses. I should be reading this correctly. And uh, also a student reporter for NSM uh, Today and currently a digital intern for NBC Washington. Welcome, Hector. So happy Thank to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's an honor to be here with you, Matthew and Tanya. Can't <laughs> wait to get started. Yes. And now we are moving on to Tanya. Tanya, Tanya is like my right-hand woman. I love her so much. Um, she is graduated this spring from UCLA with a bachelor's degree in both sociology and anthropology. Uh, she has been a part of multiple different organizations and uh, associations within UCLA, including UCLA College Honors, Lambda Alumni Association Community Service Award, and most importantly, as a really big brag, uh, she is a Mellon Mays fellow. Uh, which is incredible. I don't know a lot of people who are able to accomplish yes, such queen. a thing. Literally snaps. Oh my gosh, um, <laughs> uh, she will be attending Indiana University in Bloomington, pursuing a PhD in sociology. She has research interests in identity, categorization, stigma, race, gender, violence, and media. She has also been working at Student Success Agency since September of 2018 as not just like an agent or like a student advisor slash mentor, but has also been a team lead slash manager and a digital speaker. And another fun thing about all three of us is that we're all digital speakers for Student Success Agency, which is, again, like we have so much in common. <laughs> we so have so much, much in common. common as we have worked together. Uh, so yeah, hello, Tanya, and welcome. Thank this is so, so much. Uh, <laughs> we have a lot to talk about today. I, I was like, again, like I'm so OCD about like different, like, uh, I don't know how to put it, Google Docs. I love Google Docs. I love sharing documents and I want to be able to like create outlines, like Roman numeral outlines. Like I'm just so like, I don't know. I really love everything about that. But then I realized that while I was creating this outline of different topics that we would touch on, uh, it kind of felt inorganic 
if we stuck strictly to this outline like okay so the first thing we're going to talk about is covid and then the next thing we're going to talk about is public health and all this different stuff we're just going to go down that list but that felt very unnatural to me and so what i have is nine questions and i like to say this right now for whoever is listening to this tanya and hector do not know these questions they have not have been shown these questions they have no idea what i'm going to ask or what i'm going to talk about it's fun. Um, it's not anything like scary. It's not like, you know, we're going to get super personal, but they're all questions that they have no idea. Um, they didn't even know that I actually wrote down questions until probably like a day or two ago. So yeah, we're going to get it started. So why did you choose your area of study? Like what, what or who influenced you to pursue your major? Whoever wants to go first. Well, I will say that I initially had a interest. I went to, I will start farther back, I went to an alternative high school where we did um, passion-based projects that lasted about a semester. And during those semester-long projects, we were just encouraged to geek out over something. And um, initially I was interested in psychology. Um, my interest in psychology kind of just <laughs> came from wanting to understand myself better. I was at mm. kind of like that coming of age moment, you know? Right. Um, and I really wanted to, I was really um, actually obsessed with like positive psychology, like how to maximize your life and how to like live a really fulfilling life. And how can you not necessarily like be the happiest you can be, but just how can you lead a really fulfilling life? And as I was really kind of going down this, I started to notice that um, we place a lot of a lot of just blame and responsibility on individual people um, when a lot of the time their circumstances almost deterministically impact their outcomes. Right. Um, and also just like this idea that you are a product of the society you grew up in. Mm. And so I started to get kind of frustrated with psychology and I felt like, you know, if we can control we, if we can control, um, we can't really control a lot of these things like genetics or, um, you know, kind of the situations we end up in as a result of our social context, but we can, as a society, strive to change unfair social contexts. And so I kind of, that organically kind of led me to this, this study of social movements, which led me to sociology. Right. Um, and since then, I've been really interested in sociology, just because I think it's, I don't know, I'm biased. So <laughs> I think it's the, I think it's the best way to understand truly as corny as it sounds like how to improve our world and understand um, ourselves. So for me, I am a journalism major. So I grew up watching the news um, ever since I was young. Um, I'd watch it with my mom every night. I'd come home from school, turn the, turn the news on. And I'd just be inspired and impacted by the stories that they would tell on TV, you know, community heroes, um, you know, maybe there'd be a fire somewhere or a car crash somewhere. And it's just, Although those are tragedies, but the way you tell that story um, can impact one's life, no matter what the story may be. And so that's what I that's what I wanted to go into. I wanted to go into storytelling and um, and just impact people who don't have a voice. Um, and so one of my main uh, specializations that I love is social media. And so I love mm -hmm. working with social media and working on how to um, optimize audience engagement and just engage with people online in the best way possible. And that's literally my area of expertise and that's what I love to do. And so yeah, graduating this this semester is definitely an honor. I am super excited um, for what the future holds. 
with me as a theater major, with Tanya as sociology slash anthropology and Hector as journalism, we all have this different level of engagement that is super crucial to our studies because that is really how we're able to accomplish a lot of what we do. Uh, we are in a virtual modality right now. We're over Zoom. Um, it would have been amazing if we were in person, obviously. I think we've all heard that doctrinal saying with COVID-19. It's like, oh, these are unprecedented times. I'm going to cut that BS because it really super annoying to hear that. It's been over a year. Uh, but I think what is super fun to learn is the different challenges that we have encountered within our studies because of COVID. So if anybody wants to jump in and just what has been a very unique challenge uh, for you when you switched to virtual learning or maybe, um, I'm forgetting the word, the hybrid version of school where you're both in person and online? Uh, like, what was that like? Um, for me, it was, it was definitely a change because, you know, COVID um, hit during my capstone class um, last semester, fall of 2020. And usually as journalists, we go out we cover stories in the streets, you know, we interview people in person. And now because of COVID, you know, that has, you know, been limited. So now I interview people over Zoom. Um, yeah. Now I try to get videos from other people, courtesy videos, so that I don't have to physically go out there um, and put myself at risk. And so it was definitely a challenge, um, but we were able to kind of work around it, you know, one way or another, the news has to get out there. You, you have to tell stories. So we were able to kind of be creative which is one of the good things that came out of COVID, you know, we had this challenge of how do we work in a virtual world, but now we right. were able to kind of get creative and find new ways um, to still impact the community. Mm -hmm. um, and so, although we had some tough challenges, great things came out of it as well. Yeah, that's really true. And it's funny because I was thinking about your current internship right now, and it says digital intern. Um, one of the things that I noticed on Hector's LinkedIn, um, is uh, it what it did say digital was it was it intended to be digital like did you know in the beginning when you signed up or when you applied to be an intern for NBC Washington that it was digital or was that like a thing that was changed because of COVID so yes I believe it was digital the whole time mm. digital um just refers to the flat refers to the fact that you're working with the website and mobile app um, right. So when you write stories, you work for the digital side of things, for the online side of things. Um, but the internship itself is remote. So I am working mm. um, from Orlando, Florida, you know, covering news in Washington, D.C. in the DMV area. So yeah. it does have its challenges. You know, I'm not from there. How do I cover stories from there? You know, what do the communities want to know about? Um, so that's just some of the challenges that I faced. How about you, Tanya? What, what kind of challenges were you kind of experiencing? Well... <laughs> um, I really organized COVID challenges. I think I got this from a John Green video, so I don't know how original this is, but I kind of organized COVID challenges into kind of like the personal challenges and then kind of like the, the like very kind of workplace, <laughs> you know, slash academic challenges. And then kind of just like literally like the day-to-day -day like weird um, just differences or kind of slightly changed things that ways about going things going about having to do things. Yeah. And so personally, COVID was really difficult for me. Um, I had to like suddenly abruptly change my living situation. I was really just kind of interpersonally stressed out. And I 
I've come to terms with the fact that I am an extrovert. (laughs) (laughs) Like I think my whole life I thought I was an introvert because I, even though I get my social energy from other people, I'm, my battery recharges really quickly. Right. COVID really kind of pointed out to me that that is not actually how I am, (laughs) that I'm not an introvert, that I'm in fact an extrovert. It's like, it's weird. Um, So, I mean, all that aside, Um, you know, and then transitioning to online learning, right? So that's kind of like a, you know, just a general struggle. I mean, even um, as you all know, with Student Success Agency, my kiddos were less engaged. And I kind of, um, I I always talk about this to people on my team, but really switching from like, how do I get my kids to be the most productive that they can into this land of like, how can I just really let them know that I understand how much this sucks? Because I am also going right. Um, so that was again, like a mental shift for me, but also a very helpful one, um, Mm -hmm. at least for working with kids. And then the most obvious is just that my research had to change. Um, I have two kind of research projects that I was conducting as an undergrad. I don't recommend people conduct two thesis projects. I just kind of found myself in this position and I initially planned for there to be a lot of overlap. But that's just not how it ended up happening because I was dependent on field sites that were closed. So having to, um, in research, we do this thing called the IRB, which stands for the Institutional Review Board. And so getting IRB approval on a project that suddenly was changed all, you know, eight months leading up to that moment, I had been preparing all my materials to submit to the IRB. I had a project proposal. I had an idea of what I wanted to do. And then that suddenly was turned on its head. Right. Um, so having to catch up on all that and do completely different research, um, having to learn how to do qualitative interviews just entirely. Right. On Zoom. I was going to ask have, that. Yeah. I mean, Hector yeah. was talking about his experience um, changing to online interviews. And um, I know that the nature of our interviews are different, but like it is a completely different ballgame, especially when so much of Zoom is like <laughs> these exaggerated kind of reactions and mm-hmm's and like moments where you are also engaging I think um as a researcher you never want to you know in, impose too much in an interview and then now it's kind of extra awkward because you're on zoom right um so all of that all of that I mean really just the research um was really just um I mean in many ways I was able to conduct research and I was able to have these projects finished but I mean when COVID first hit it just felt really impossible I will I will admit right I, I was literally, that was going to be my follow-up question was just about the interviewing, because I know that that, that is part like, that is a huge factor within both of your studies, Hector and Tanya, like you rely a lot of that in-person interaction. Um, um, there's yeah. weirdly, I will also add just like, there was also weird benefits to online too. So I For was sure. able to get participants from Canada. I was able to get participants that had like huge followings online that I wasn't, mm. I mean, Maybe, I don't know, I I think that COVID really opened up this like, hey, can we hop on a Zoom call that people were just more receptive to. More people were on social media just because we were all (laughs) kind of lonely. And so, you know, more people are going to see my call for participants and things like that, too. So there was definitely some benefits. um, But overall, it was definitely stressful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I also was going to add to that, you know, because we had to move to Zoom and more digital people who you may not usually interview would be more open to an interview, just like Tanya said. So now I didn't have to just interview people, you know, 
in Orlando, I could probably interview an expert from Washington, D.C., or an expert that lives in California um, that relates to my story. So thankfully, that was that was an open door and an opportunity, um, something good that came out of COVID as well. That's super interesting. I, I appreciate you both bringing up the benefits as well, because I know that, you know, my, my line of questioning did not involve the benefits of COVID. And I'm really glad that you both uh, really touched on that uh, because there are a lot of benefits to it. You were act actually able to expand your outreach um, to those people. Um, so again, thank you both for bringing that up with the, in terms of the benefits uh, that of came course. out of COVID. Because um, I know we, we really hone in a lot on the negatives. Right. Uh, Amazing. So it's a good thing that I mentioned Student Success Agency, because that's kind of the next portion that I want to touch on, because we are such a unique organization, and we have such uh, unique job duties uh, in terms of what we do. And um, how do you manage? Because it really depends on like how many students you have. It depends on additional roles. Like I know, you know, Tanya, for example, she's a team lead. She's a digital speaker and uh, she's an agent. So she's kind of juggling three things at the same time. Um, how do you manage student success agency plus maybe, you know, your internship or your fellowship um, school and your personal life? <laughs> I have okay, to so add, oh, sorry, I have to add that Hector put in the comments, Tanya, go. <laughs> um, well, I feel bad because I have kind of a corny answer to this. Um, we love corny answers. <laughs> exactly. I, I, just, I was just telling my roommate this in the car today, but my, I feel even weird saying my work with Student Success Agency because Texting my students to me just seems like something I have been given an opportunity to do. Mm -hmm. I find it incredibly healing. I find it incredibly rewarding. They really do more for me <laughs> than I do for them. Um, and I guess it's just one of those things where I would be, I would be, I'm active trying to help academically <laughs> I, I mean, I'm posting on the UCLA transfers Facebook page, just like, hey, if anyone has any questions about research, message me. Um, right. I like, I really, I take mentorship really seriously. And that's one of the reasons that I really decided to go down this path of academia is because, um, to be frank, I really think it's important to mentor scholars that are historically underrepresented. Yeah. And I think that is part of why I was drawn to SSA. Um, and it's something that I, I prioritize and that I kind of, I, I both prioritize it and I would be doing it anyway. Um, mm -hmm. so it's kind of like, I don't know, do like, this sounds bad. I'm not putting my students on this level, but like SSA <laughs> is just like one of those things where like, it's as simple to me as like brushing my teeth every day. Like yeah. if a student asks me a question, it doesn't even feel like I'm taking time out of my day to answer them, even though I technically am. Right. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, SSA stuff. And then speaking is so healing. It's so powerful. I think um, my, my partner always teases me and he's like, you're such a storyteller. And I really think that mm. both connecting with students, whether you're like a tutor figure or a teacher figure or, you know, a mentor, you a lot of the times you make progress it's through sharing stories and I think that's why speaking also is just like oh this is natural I'm just sharing a story um and then teaching other people like it's as easy as sharing stories so it all feels very connected and then in terms of research I feel like I instead of sharing stories I'm 
also kind of documenting stories and making sense of them analytically. Right. Um, I will say the bulk of my time goes to goes to balancing work and school, but it's a lot easier when you make that that work into something that is soul work. And mm. when you make your school work into like questions that you're thinking about anyway. Um, my work centers Iranian Americans. And I often thought of these questions of Iranian Americans when I was applying to college and had to check US census boxes and had these moments of questioning kind of where I fell in terms of ethnic boundary making. So right. when I make, when I write that thesis, it feels very kind of organic and like something I would be doing anyway. But um, mm. this is all very just kind of corny of like, do what you love and it won't feel like work, right? You never have to like, you know, qualify that you're going to say something corny because it's true. You're, it's, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. You know, not a lot of people have the opportunity to say that the work that they do is work that doesn't feel like work. You know, like you love it so much. It comes so naturally. You don't have any trouble doing it. Like it's just, it's, it's a fun thing to do, but it's also I mean an impactful thing. <laughs> There are times. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. There, there's an asterisk to it. Sometimes. I mean, you, yeah. Sometimes. I mean, I guess sometimes it really is hard, especially with academia and all that like wonderful pressure that we put on ourselves. And let's be honest, like it's a very competitive um, whole ordeal. Right. But at the end of the day, um, I, I don't, I, I just feel like my, like when I'm stressed out about my research, my students come in clutch. <laughs> right. And so, you know, like it's, it's, it's really just kind of, if, if, you know, your big thing that you're lifting, if you're writing a really hard paper, yeah. it feels good to have other, those other outlets that then pour into you as well as you pour into them. It's very right. symbiotic, me and my students. Yeah. I, I love that. that. Yeah. Hector, <laughs> go for it. What do, what do you think? How do you balance everything? So it definitely can be challenging, but organization is at its key. You know, before, um, like before COVID hit, I wasn't really into like Google calendars and, and I would always want to try a little planner, but it just wouldn't work out. I'd use it for like maybe a month. And then right. I'd be like, I can just remember that. I don't have to write it down. <laughs> I can remember that. I don't have to write it down. But then I'd be forgetting stuff. Right, and right. Now, no, for sure. And now with doing so many things with, you know, NBC Washington, with SSA and school, I rely 100% on Google Calendar now and those little reminders and notifications on my phone. Yeah. Because I could not live without them. So definitely, you know, being organized and finding a way to keep track of everything is key. Um, right. And when it comes to my students, I absolutely love my students. Um, you know, seeing them succeed is my number one goal. Um, the impact that we do, like Tanya said, it doesn't feel like work because, you know, it's like a privilege almost. Yeah. It's a privilege to be able to help these students, you know, in low income communities um, who have so much potential, but mm. maybe because of where they live or the resource, resources that they have, they may not be able to reach that full potential that they have. And that's where Student Success Agency comes in because we have the resources and we have um, the experience to help them reach their full potential and achieve their dream. And so it's definitely an honor to be a part of Student Success Agency and um, just being able to balance everything um, together. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, I, 
I have been loving Google Calendar so much lately. Like if I have the opportunity to just like, I have to make it up sometimes. Like if I, if I want to give myself something to do, this is just a side note and then we'll get back into the conversation. But <laughs> as a side note, if I really wanted to give myself something to do, like I'd be like, you know what? I need to do laundry. Like I'm going to block off time on my Saturday and <laughs> invite myself to an event. I love for that. laundry. Not invite myself. <laughs> I mean, like you know that that you know what I shouldn't have said that because that sounds pretty sad and but but that's funny. <laughs> I didn't even know you could do that. I just love this idea of sending people Google Calendar invites of like hang out with me. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> <Right>. Yes. <laughs> also, another thing about Google Calendars, yeah. I recently found out that you can like see other people's schedule. I didn't oh, know that until yeah. recently, and I was like. I feel like I'm stalking. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm intruding. But hey, I see you're free from 12 to 1 on Tuesday. Will you meet with me? Oh <laughs> I just let's do it. Like, right. like right. you can't hide from me. I see that time right. slot. I see it. I see it. <laughs> oh my God. I totally forgot about that. You know, Hector, you're just reminding me to go back into my Google Calendar settings and just to make sure that nobody else sees what i'm doing like not it's i'm not doing anything sus but it's that seems interesting yeah, yeah. i forgot about that feature um but yeah like i think those tools i mean speaking of google calendar um did i say google i meant google google calendar um say that 10 times fast uh has been such an incredible <laughs> has been such an incredible i love that <laughs> has been such an incredible resource um, just to keep ourselves accountable. Um, and that's one of those things that uh, Student Success Agency has, I, I feel like that's one of the biggest pillars with Student Success Agency. It's not just like engagement and communication and being on the same page, but it's also keeping each other accountable because of the flexibility that we have with Student Success Agency, um, coinciding with our other schedules, such as fellowships and internships and whatever it may be. Um, it, it, I, I think we can all agree that it is a blessing um, and it, it's so cool. It's a privilege, as you said, Hector, it's a privilege to be able to have that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So this is getting more into a little bit more of the personal level, not like too personal, but um, I think it is good to acknowledge that, yes, we've had a lot of negatives and we uh, with that kind of came out of COVID and also by the same token, a lot of positives uh, that came out of it, whether it's through our work creatively, uh, work, work as in student success agency or uh, school work, whatever it may be. But I, I, I could just recall very distinct moments in my life. Um, I think particularly last year and this year where you just hit a really big low and it's just like, kind of captivating and you know that it, like it's a very temporary thing it's a little bit of a like if you imagine it as a graph and you see that low point you know that the graph is not finished you know that, that there's other space there's other white space right next to it within that graph and you know that you can only go up from that low point that you're at um if you guys want to and again like this is one of those things that like if you want to move on from this part you totally can but if you do you guys ever reflect on or have you uh, experienced like just this sense of lowness um, because of COVID, whether it is because of work, um, that may be a rhetorical question that may, I don't know what it means to you, but have you experienced that kind of lowness where you're like, okay, I know I'm going to get out of it, but when? I feel weird answering this question because yeah. when I think of like the arc of my life, I, my lowest point was before COVID, I would say. Right. Um, and my lowest point 
like just to be frank was like literally it's kind of silly because I'm like growing into adulthood and I still confidently cite kind of my lowest point as um my freshman year of high school right and um so COVID for me I mean like I don't know like this sounds bad but like I was I really suffered from like severe adolescent depression right so (laughs) it's kind of set this tone on my life of like well it's not that bad um which I think is kind of um, maybe not super helpful sometimes because I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm still functional. Things are fine. <laughs> For sure. Um, so um, I feel I feel generally fine. Um, I guess it was hard. I had this moment where an advisor broke up with me, and I had mm. this like and that sounds so silly, but an advisor told me like, hey, I can't work with you anymore. You've changed your project. This is no longer in my research wheelhouse which, you know, happens, but I was really freaked out because it was really into a program, far into a program. And I didn't know how I would recover. I didn't know who would then be my advisor. Um, And I was just really panicked. I thought I had to drop out of the program. I was freaked out because I kind of needed the money from the program. Um, And so it was just a really difficult thing to juggle, but it turned out okay. I think Mm. that was kind of my big COVID scare. Um, yeah. And I would say my lowest point kind of happened when I was a kid. So it's kind yeah. of funny. Like now I'm like, oh, it's not that bad. Cause when I was 13, I dropped out of high school and I had to right. build my life from the ground up. So for sure, for sure. Uh, can I ask that that research, uh, the, the, the switching projects, was that, was that at UCLA? Yeah. So okay. it was, it was directly a result of COVID because my initial okay. project was heavily reliant on in-person field sites. So I switched to a completely online topic. Mm, okay. Got it. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. Thank you for sharing that. What about you, Hector? So I'm, I'm trying to think, and to be honest, I haven't had a low, low moment during COVID, mm. which I'm thankful to say. There hasn't been yeah. like something that like, Dang. I mean, obviously, you know, I remember when the pandemic first hit, like in March and April of last year, and, you know, everyone was in quarantine lockdown. Right. I remember I was like, dang, like, how long is this going to last? Like, Mm -hmm. are we going to get out of this? Like this, I feel like I'm in a movie. I literally felt like I was in a movie, you know, when they're just stuck and they can't do anything. That's how I felt. Like that was like the low for me. And it wasn't until like, you know, summer came and fall and things started getting a little bit back to normal. Um, but for me, the lowest point of my life has been um, the, my senior year going into my freshman year of college. Mm. Um, I didn't have the greatest home life. Um, so I was super thankful to be accepted to UCF in the summer where mm. I was able to leave earlier, you know, um, leave my house earlier and come to Orlando, which is two and a half hours south from where I'm, I'm originally from. Um, and just kind of start fresh, start new and just kind of leave that home life and start at UCF, you know, full time. Um, but that's like the only thing that comes to my mind. Thankfully during COVID, I haven't had a low point. Thankfully, a lot of great things, you know, have came to COVID, uh, have came for me during COVID, such as internship and job opportunities. Um, so again, highs and lows as almost everything. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. Um, and it's funny because I, it's really, I appreciate that from, from both of you. I really appreciate that because, um, you know, it, COVID has only been like a very significant part of our lives for almost two, for, for over a year. And I think during that time, it gives you really odd moments to reflect. And I think that when you do reflect on those, during those moments where it's kind of just very silent and it's those silent moments where it's like, 
Hector, to your point, like, when is this going to end? Is there a time frame? Like, listen, I got this thing. You're looking at your watch. You're like, I, I got this thing I got to do. Like, I can't have COVID happening. Like, can we get a move on from this? Um, yeah, and if I can add, um, yeah. you know, one thing that has really been has been brought to light because of COVID is just cherishing one another, mm. um, especially family and friends that you're close to because you never know when their last day may be, you know, COVID is, has killed so many people and yeah. is continuing to, you know, you know, throughout the, thankfully, you know, the vaccine is here and we're getting mm-hmm. all vaccinated. Uh, but last year was rough, you know, in terms of people losing family members and loved ones. So definitely, you know, moving, that's something that COVID taught me is that no matter, you know, who you see, who you're close to, always keep them close, always, yeah. you know, thank them and just um, never burn any, any relationships because you never know when the last time you may see them. Absolutely. No, that that is so true. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because I did have a question in here uh, that does relate to that subject matter. Um, what are you, uh, I'll start with you, Hector. Um, what are you most grateful for, or maybe grateful about things that you weren't grateful for before COVID? And then when COVID hit, you're like, wow. To be honest, I think one of the things I'm most thankful for is the financial security I have, um, at least with my parents. Yeah. You know, both my parents have good jobs that, you know, thankfully um, they didn't lose anything or they weren't affected mm. job-wise due to the pandemic. So they were able to still work and, you know, help me pay for my rent and for all the necessities that I have to pay for in college. Um, so I was super grateful for that. Mm. You know, my father, he's a respiratory therapist um, and he's a veteran. He was in the army for 30 years. Um, and he got, he took the opportunity to go to Texas to work at a, a, a at a hospital which COVID hit really bad, yeah. Um, and so he was able to go and kind of be a local hero, um, and work with a, an agency that provides more assistance to these hospitals. And he was able to fly out to Texas um, and just help this hospital that was in dire need of respiratory therapists and nurses and everything like that. So he is a little bit of my my hometown hero, I guess I could say. Um, so I'm thankful for him and his yeah. work. Um, but yeah, I'm just super thankful for financial security and for health overall. Absolutely. What about you, Tanya? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, shout out to Hector's dad. That's awesome. Yeah, seriously. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> that makes me happy. Shout out. Um, well, oh my gosh, what am I more grateful for? So I really feel like not to be very morbid, but I feel like death became very real to me this year. Um, right. I just feel like when you're young, death doesn't feel like a real thing. And um, it just touched a lot of people, including me. Um, I lost someone I was close with this year, not to COVID, but like I said, just life, I think, mm-hmm. has become something I'm very grateful for. Um, and then <laughs> uh, to continue my corny streak, I definitely think my partner, um, especially, you know, when we're only allowed to see like one person, um, just having that one person be someone that I love and that I want to spend a lot of time with, I definitely think this time brought us really close together and was really actually good for our relationship. Um, yeah. So that, that in place. And then really just, um, I watched, and I'm sure y'all saw this too, but I watched a lot of school districts just struggle with how yeah. to continue educating and how to continue um, supporting mm-hmm. kids who didn't have housing or suffered from food insecurity. And I, I was a little bit more in the boat of like, <laughs> not knowing 
<laughs> not knowing where I was. I mean, I wasn't like ever like on the streets homeless, but I was a little right. bit more in this boat of just impact. My very basic necessities were impacted by COVID. Um, and so that was very much in the forefront of my mind and just being grateful of having friends and people that I can lean on and being grateful that I have a job that is remote. I mean, you know, a lot of people I know lost work, um, being grateful that my school didn't continue to make me pay for housing and that I was able to get out of that situation. And really just that I had scholarships that made it so that the burden of tuition. Absolutely. Absolutely. You both hit on so many different levels. Um, even like if it doesn't even have to be related to COVID, um, you know, uh, losing a loved one and um, just kind of recognizing the position that you were in before and then during COVID. And it's like, wow, like I have a good or I, I did not realize that this was a big issue until this happened. And, uh, and I think for one thing, um, I haven't really spoken on behalf of myself a lot in this episode. I'm just not realizing that. So I'm going to interject into this. Um, but I, for one thing that I did not, I'm going to take it in an angle where uh, something that I did not prioritize during COVID. And I think I mentioned to you, Tanya, about this, but like I ne I rarely prioritized myself before COVID. I was very theater oriented. I was constantly directing or writing or producing or just working in a collaborative setting uh, that constantly required me to be around people. And I just did not have a lot of that alone time. At like 10 or 11 o'clock at night after rehearsal, I just lay in my bed. <clears throat> And I just be like, oh, wow, like it's silent. It's quiet. I need that more often. But then like you kind of just get lost in the weeds. And then the next day, it's the same thing over again. And it's like, okay, like you're getting into the routine again and you're just doing your thing. And then you come home at night and it's like, oh my God, that silence again. Like I, you know, it's so nice. It's, there's something satisfying about that, but there's also something, uh, it, it kind of alleviates a lot of that stress throughout your day from like 7 a.m. to like 10 o'clock at night. Um, and I, and I realized that like things like just be eating healthy and not exercising enough or whatever those things were, uh, because I was triaging the wrong things. I felt like I was triaging theater or work or whatever it may be, having that be the urgent priority over myself. And then I, I started recognizing that a little bit more often when COVID hit, it was like, oh my God, like. I need to, I need to love me more. I need to take care of me more. Like this is important love yourself and admire yourself, be grateful for yourself. Um, because that's, you only got you. I mean, like you have family, you have friends, you have a support system, but at the end of the day, it's you. Um, so it's exactly, yeah, it's, it's crazy. You, um, know, you saying that makes me think of, uh, self. I, every time I ask, um, sometimes I ask my students, sometimes I ask my friends, like with self-care, like, you know, like if they say I want to do self-care, I always like, it's like, how, yeah. <laughs> like, how do you, how do you operationalize that? Like we call so many things self-care, like not necessarily us, but you know, something like a lush bath bomb is, is often like advertised as self-care. And right. I feel like for me, like sometimes self-care is literally just like, girl, like you need to do your homework today, like get your butt up, like, or um, sometimes like self-care, you know, it's like, okay, like I'm going to watch Netflix all day, self-care, but like, yeah. is it, you know, is that really self-care for me? Um, so for sure. just really learning to identify my own needs has also been a huge thing. Absolutely. Hector, do you feel that you, you were also in the same boat in terms of just self-care? Yeah, for me, like, for me, um, 
it definitely, like Tanya says, it definitely has a different definition for different people. Yeah. Um, and so self-care for me, it, uh, I don't know. I was thinking about it when Tanya was talking. I was like, I, I love being home, but I also love being out and doing stuff. Mm, like yeah. if I'm home, like for example, like this weekend, I like, I didn't have really nothing planned. And for me, that's like weird. I'm like, I feel like I always have to be doing something um, because I hate being like home all day, like with no interaction. I don't know. A lot of people be like, oh, I would just love to be home and just not to talk to people and binge Netflix. But for me, it's like, I don't know. I need to have interaction with people because that's where I get like my satisfaction from is from laughing, from, you know, having a good time with people. Um, obviously I do love, you know, kind of taking a break sometimes because we all need like some alone time, but yeah. I'm not one of those, like, I have to be alone 24 seven, you know? <laughs> right. No, for sure. And it's just really like, just really taking advantage of those very, uh, small moments where you do have that alone time. I love that. So thank you. Thank you both. We had a very specific kind of normal before COVID, um, that normal could have been really good or just really awful. Um, and then COVID hit. Whatever that normal that you envision um, or you experienced before COVID, um, do you hope to have that normal changed after COVID? If that makes sense, like you know, like there, you had a very specific normal, like your normal routine, the things that you were doing before COVID, and then once COVID is done, do you want to go back to some of the things that you were doing, or what are some things that you want changed? Um, for me, there are definitely some things that we've done during COVID that I would like to keep going into more normalcy. Yeah. For example, working from home, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know a lot of people are like, oh, you're not getting the same experience, you know, as you would in person. But for me, being able to work and still make an impact, but also maybe live where I want to live and still do some of the things I want to do yeah. um, is super important to me. For example, um, like right now my internship is remote. Um, normal, normally um, the internship, the intern would have to go to Washington DC and yeah. work from the, their office. But for me, I get to work from home, which allows me to still, you know, take my classes um, online and also still hang out with my friends and still do all the extracurricular things that I do here in, uh, at UCF. And so being able to balance all of that, I really enjoy doing. And I kind of hope to go continue working from home at least for the remainder of this year into next year. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. What about you, Tanya? Um, so I think generally, I really like this, um, this beautiful thing that has come out of COVID where we are just much more, I think, willing to accommodate people mm, right? <laughs> with access, people with disabilities, people for whatever reason who are immune compromised or struggle to physically get places that we are suddenly aware just as a society that we are willing to accommodate that and I want that to carry on after mm -hmm. COVID. Mm -hmm. um, I personally enjoyed the amount of time I've been spending with my partner and in my family and kind of like you know we all joked about family walks at the beginning of COVID but really just carrying that intentional family time and time with people I love um, and I personally I identify now, I guess, as an extrovert, but I really do prefer this one-on-one -on -one interaction. Yeah. So um, I, I'm going to keep doing that. I enjoy that. 
And I also think that we are headed in a direction where we're just going to be cleaner. I mean, it really feels like everyone learned how to wash their hands, which, you know, let's, <laughs> let's keep washing our hands, y'all. Yeah. Right, let's keep using that hand sanitizer, all right? Sing your ABCs. Yeah. Right. I'm yes. going to be singing baby more, one more time under my breath. wash my hands for the rest of my life. Um, but I guess on a more happy note, like I'm looking forward to the changes, like being in a physical classroom. I am mm. um, really looking forward to public speaking, like in an actual public speaking space. I am looking forward to traveling, especially spontaneous travels, kind of my thing. Um, and just socialize. I mean, I really, and I really mean it when I say this, I think the thing I miss most is just spontaneous one-on-one like oh we sat next to each other in this class and we're just going to keep talking after the class ends for like an hour or um you know like we're in line at the coffee shop and I guess we're getting coffee together now hey what's up haven't seen you in a minute um I really enjoy those fringe like conversations I I firmly believe that like life exists in those tangents oh absolutely I didn't think that I would ever think about going back into a classroom because like before like, you know, you're, it's just kind of a normal thing. You go sit in a classroom, you have your notepad out or you have your laptop out and you're just taking notes and whether actively or passively, regardless, you're in, an, in a physical setting. And then when you go and learn in your bedroom or whatever, it's like, oh my God, this is not ideal. And I agree with you, Tanya. It's like the moment that you go back into that classroom, it's like, oh my God, like this is where the learn. I know this is like, sounds geeky, but it's also like, this is learning. Like this is our education. This is what we're spending time and money on to exactly be in a physical setting, to interact with other students who are going to be our colleagues maybe someday and to also work with professors and just like go to office hours and just all those different things. Um, I absolutely agree with that. Um, it, I was thinking just a lot of I don't know. I, I I got a newsletter. I subscribed to the Kennedy Center and their uh, seasons lineup for their shows that they have in Washington, D.C. And uh, they're opening in October. Like they have shows that are going to be, you know, tickets are going to be on sale before October so that you can purchase these, like literally go and see these shows. Um, and I think to myself, like, oh my God, like to be in a theater again with people and to you know cheer people on and to see people on stage and just like all these different things and this also applies to like everyday things such as like and not everyday things that's not the right word but like Disneyland like that's very theatrical it's this huge experience that you're paying a lot of time and money for and it's like oh my god like I, I miss being able to just walk in a theme park like even if you don't do anything you're just walking through it um just experiencing things again like it's I don't know, like, does that make sense? Like, just experiencing yeah. life again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for sure, up, you, for sure. Like, Disneyland is one of those things where, like, with all due respect, there are Disneyland fans out there. You guys are, y'all are living your best lives. But <laughs> right. Disneyland has never been one of those things I get super excited about. Um, right. I, I don't know. I'm just not super into it. But Disneyland, to me, I've been wanting to go to Disneyland, which is a weird thing. I, I just think it represents that moment like not even about Disneyland right like Disneyland is that placeholder right. of like when that you know like that ideal society right like that ideal moment where we can just 
gather. <laughs> Absolutely. And it, 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 seriously, like it, it, even if you don't like, like to your point, like you don't have to be that Disneyland or Disney World uh, fanatic. You just being able to be with people who are just like, you know, they're doing their thing. I can already tell that Tanya, you're not going to be one of those uh, uh, Disney adults. Like when you're in your thirties, like you're not like, I don't know, like just by you saying like, you know, like I like Disney, but it's also like, it's not like a big deal about not going to Disney because I'm the same way, but that's another conversation about Disney adults. (laughs) A good, a good Pixar movie. I always go out of my way for, I will always cry. I mean, a good Disney movie. I will always, I mean, kids movies just make me cry. So I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Which one, which one has made you cry the most? Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) um okay I guess I guess I'm gonna swerve into this I (laughs) I like I bawled my eyes out watching Coco yeah and I was I was in a college dorm with four men (laughs) like four grown men were just like watching me cry my eyes out at Coco and like there was definitely a moment where they were like oh are you know like what are you watching like expecting me to say like I don't know, like a walk to remember the faults in our stars. And I turn <laughs> the computer around and it's Coco. <laughs> oh my God. Hector, what have you watched any Disney shows or movies that had just made you absolutely ball? I feel like I have, but I can't remember them at the moment. That's okay. Uh, yeah. Toy Story was one uh, of them. I remember when Toy Story. Wait, which one? Uh, I think it was three yeah no four to pick from (laughs) i was gonna say is it three or four it's the one with the 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 bear the daycare Uh, and the bear yeah that's three when they're like in the little weird disney adult (laughs) (laughs) when they're like in the trash shoe and they're like going going into the fire i was like oh yeah oh yeah no yeah Yeah, i'm not even gonna talk about it that's that doesn't tense that's in it yeah that was definitely one for me yeah, a very intense Disney moment. Um, I think I had a family member that cried. It was my grandmother on my dad's side. He, she literally cried to Finding Nemo. I mean, like, it's not like this crazy, sad story. I mean, like, it's like as sort of- As she should. As she should, but it's also like, like, I, oh, so I was like very young at the time where she like started, like, I, it's been like years since I've seen her. Uh, but like one of the, you know, we were watching, I was very young, we were watching, finding Nemo and she just starts crying and like of course I'm like super young I'm pretty stupid I just don't know anything and I'm like grandma like why are you crying it's finding Nemo it's a it's a fish like I just like kind of pointed out like grandma it's a fish but then now like emotional intelligence has like developed and everything and then you watch it again it's like oh this is sad I actually cried during finding Dory I think that one I think that one actually made me cry now that I think about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, Finding Door was definitely one for me too. I was like, wow. I didn't know these movies were gonna impact me like that. Dang. Right. And I have yet to watch Coco. I have yet to watch Coco. I love is- Coco. Ah, see, Don't I'm watch missing- it. Don't watch it in a room full of four grown men that will <laughs> judge you for crying is my only advice there. So it's going to be very hard for me to find that specific setting where there are four grown men in a room. <laughs> that just perks, perks of COVID. Perks of per- COVID. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Cool. So I have one last question and then we're going to wrap it up. For the people that are on this recording right now, um, what is the biggest piece of advice you would give 
to people who are pursuing a certain college or they have a very specific goal in mind that they want to attain. And they may think that it's unattainable, but to you, you're like, no, you can do it. What, 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 would, what would you be, whoa, I can speak. What would be your biggest piece of advice? For me, I think my biggest piece of advice um, would be to always try your best um, and never, never think anything is too small um, because I never thought I would ever intern with NBC. Yeah. And so by just, you know, kind of applying and trying my best and working hard and knowing that that was my goal and I, I'm going to achieve my goal. Mm-hmm. And so um, I did all the necessary steps um, to, to get where I am today. And so I think just not giving up and, and finding a mentor, kind of like how we talked about earlier, finding someone who will keep you accountable and help you reach you or help you reach those goals. I think that would be super, super important. Absolutely. 1000%. What about you, Tanya? Um, I just think it's important. Um, I think whether or not you can do something a lot of the time, not all of the time, but Mm -hmm. a lot of it just comes down to your identity and whether or not you actually believe that you can. (laughs) Um, so if you have that attitude of like, this type of success is for other people, it does not belong to people like me or me, or there's something about me that makes it unable, makes me unable Mm. to achieve it. Um, to really check that bias and that voice and to identify where it comes from and to identify it as not your voice because there's a good chance. In fact, I'm almost positive that it's not your voice um, if yeah. you really want something. So you mean like a parent maybe pushing them in a certain direction or somebody is yeah. influencing? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then there's also just like, I don't know. I mean, all the time, you know, there's this element of like, <laughs> you know, people like me don't do that. And whether that's, you know, you know, whether that's like me being 10 years old and thinking I have to be a doctor because, you know, like my, all my cousins are doctors or whether that's, you know, the kid that's like, oh, well, everyone I know doesn't go to college. No one in my family goes to college. So I'm not going to go to college, even though that's something I want to do. Identifying where that comes from of people like me don't do this, whether it's, you know, an authority figure, whether it's a teacher who didn't believe in you, whether it's just not seeing people like you represented. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and it's important to surround yourself with the right people um, because you don't want them to negatively influence your decisions and be like, you know what? Like, because I know I had, um, I had experiences where uh, my parents work in very specific uh, or my dad works in uh, public health. Um, it works with uh, nonprofit organizations, specifically cancer associations and societies. Um, and so he's always like a big advocate for like, go into public health, like do this, do that. And so then I'm like, I'm not too interested in that. But like, it's not like ill, there's no ill intent to it. It's just like, you know, they're just naturally drawn. And so they're going to push that intent or push that um, uh, their passion onto you to see if you would be passionate as well. Um, but at the end of the day, whether it is a positive or a negative experience, uh, basically what Hector and Tanya have been uh, discussing is, uh, you know, you are in control of what you want to do. Um, and it's not impossible. You uh, have thought about this specific goal before you want to achieve it. You want to pursue it. Um, and so then it becomes a question of what's stopping you. What is going to be that obstacle? And if you can't think of an answer to it, then there should be no excuse to pursue it. 
uh, to not pursue it. Uh, so it's, it's, it's super interesting. And everybody, um, whoever you are listening to this, um, just go for it. I don't think, you know, don't allow anybody to kind of dictate the direction that you want to go in, uh, but also make sure that you surround yourself with the right people and develop that appropriate uh, support system. So it's super, super imperative to do that. Awesome. So that is it for the first episode of No Need to Clarify. The reason that we call it No Need to Clarify is because we don't have to justify exactly why we study what we study, why we want to pursue what we want to pursue. We don't have to come up with excuses or try to make try to justify our reasoning in any way, shape, or form. Uh, this is a podcast where we uh, become unapologetically ourselves, um, and we just kind of go for it. Uh, we have taken on, the three of us have taken on challenges that we did not envision ourselves taking on five years ago. Uh, and it's crazy that we are in this position right now to have this conversation. And although I wanted it to be in person, um, I do want to thank you too uh, for being such incredible people. Um, I mean this way deep down in my heart that you both are just so awesome. I really can't think of any other adjective than awesome. I'm blanking on that right now. Um, but I'm, I'm serious. Like, thank you both so much for joining today's uh, podcast episode. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, this is the end of the uh, first episode of No Need to Clarify. My name is Matthew Gottlieb. Today, we had uh, Hector Garcia de Leon and Tanya Nasrallahi as our guests. Um, everybody have a wonderful rest of your day. Stay safe, stay well, and hope to see you in the next episode. Bye. Yes. Bye. Thanks again, Matt.